This is Flights with Friends, a weekly, well, semi-regular podcast about craft beer and the conversations you have with friends over craft beer. We will explore some of our favorite craft breweries around the country and discuss the nuances of their beers while chatting about the interrelated nuances of our lives. Join me, your host, Kwok and Kankam, for another trip on Flights with Friends, the podcast. Welcome and cheers. these beers on the podcast sometimes we completely fuck it up <laughs> like oh i definitely taste a malty aroma in this and then it's like oh it's supposed to be tart I'm like really i don't want to see that <laughs> my taste buds are off tonight. my taste buds are off yeah. yeah it's like me and my buddy savory were doing an episode and we were like seriously like saying like all these like what we're tasting and everything like that's so, you know it's kind of like a little full body of this and they're supposed to be like i'm gonna read the description light bodied caramel well that's not right <laughs> oh, i know more true. than the brewmaster yeah i know exactly my palate's a little more sophisticated obviously that must be the reason behind it where are you going with well, i'm gonna start with the end of years cheers my friend cuz cuz Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Flights with Friends, a podcast about catching up with friends over flights of beer. Sorry it's been a minute. In this podcast, we travel the country looking for new and exciting craft breweries to explore and find old friends to explore them with. Today, I'm catching up with my cousin Todd, who has been living in South Florida over the past few years, working in immigration. He has an amazing travel resume, and we talk about his time working in the Peace Corps, as well as some of the linguistic skills he's accumulated over the years. We are in Berkeley, California at Fieldwork Brewing Company, we're at their original tap room. Fieldwork has grown to six different locations in the Northern California and Bay Area and boasts a bevy of beers to choose from. This made selecting just one flight a little impossible, so yeah, we got three. Let's go to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Surprisingly, almost a little, I wouldn't say bitter, but it's like almost got... Training. Earthy kind of taste. Earthy, okay. I needed a second sip. Ah, my fault. We should ask for some water. Oh, palate cleanse in between? Yeah. That makes sense of that. I can see the earthiness to that. It's definitely kind of dry, almost like malty. It's not not as clean as I want it to be for like those German beers. Alright. Water. Check. Well, there it is. Beer check. I'm saying earthy. What's it saying? If you read what they want to describe, it has a delicate. Grassy aroma. Oh, there you so go. Maybe I'm tasting the grass. So you got to be dirt. Dirt grass. They were a little too deep in that grass. Cut a little too well, close to it. It's got the same down with dirt. the stone. They have so much pine in it. To me, it just that's all See, I, I ever taste. I don't I like tasting that extra I pine. I can't drink that brewery. That's why I don't like those West Coast style IPAs. They're just so piney and so bitter, so uh, earthy. I guess you could say since the word we're using. But yeah, I'd much rather go for those New England style when there's a lot more citrusy and fruit forward hints on that see they described this tight as high as crisp yeah i find it's really dry let me get another taste of it then let's see if i agree no i definitely agree with that it's definitely dry i'm not feeling that at all actually as much as see, i want to i, I it may be i'm a bigger fan of juicy ipas though again this simcoe maybe that's just more how that hop tastes a lot of it's like where you add the hop at in the brewing process too from what i understand if you're going for a flavor or for a taste or for an aroma. 
I think if you want the root true bitterness, you put them up in the front end, that's what it is. And if you just want like a flavor or a, an aroma, you put them more towards the back end, depending on what you want. So if they're trying to go for that bittery taste, they'd probably add a lot of those Simcoe's up front, but this one's probably tasting more like the aromas are like back to me. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that guy. I'm gonna skip down to the one that I probably would love, that King Center that we both thought we'd really enjoy. That IPA. Oh, that's not bad at all. I think you're gonna like that guy. Double, it's not just an IPA, it's a double IPA. There we go. Double those hops up. Orange 8.7. We got orange marmalade and mango mochi. Mochi, is that what it says? Yeah, mochi. What's mochi? That dessert. Yeah, I don't have that part. Yeah, you've had it because Julian likes it. It's that like kind of Asian dessert where they're like little frozen. Like frozen. They're kind of not really like cookies. It's like ice cream. But okay. Are they like they come in packaging? Is it like pre-packaged yeah. materials? They're usually like little circles. Okay. And they kind of just melt in your mouth. They're not. Are they like a cookie or is it more of a? No, it's ice cream. It's an ice cream, but, but it's like, like a sorbet, like a sorbet. Yeah. Sorbet. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. So, is it? Are you not sherbet? There's both. There's both. Sherbet and sorbet. Yeah. There's different. I didn't know that. Like so, are they spelled the same though? Sherbet and sorbet. That I actually don't. Know. And is it? I feel like it's a tomato tomato situation. See that may be. See, I may. I didn't know. Are they two the separate problem, type of the problem? Maybe for me, since I speak French, maybe I just always have read that as sorbet. Yeah. And when I've heard people say sherbet, I just have assumed that it's spelled that other way. That makes in sense. In English, but maybe that is. It's true. supposed to be. So, I, I think I've always pronounced it as a Midwesterner as sherbet, but it's not supposed to be. If we. French it up like it's truly supposed to be, it'd be sorbet. We also pronounce, we have a, there's a place called Versailles, Ohio, as opposed to Versailles. So <laughs> I think we probably pronounce things wrong in there, especially French words. Do you get to use French still at all? Um, oddly enough, I would say for the most part, no. Mm -hmm. However, with the Haitian population that I encounter, uh. If I'm at a part of the interview that I they're not really understanding and I can translate enough, I will over. speak French. Uh, that works for people that have gone to school, yeah, because they'll have gone to school in French and Haiti. Uh, However, if they're like really old and illiterate, or if they're from the campsite, uh, no, they they only speak Haitian Creole. They don't speak any French. They'll understand some of it, just like I'll understand some of their Creole. Yeah, but for the most part. Just, it, it, we sometimes pass one another, but no, for the people wild. that have gone to school, we can just sit there and talk in French. Has Haitian Creole gone so far away from traditional French that like it doesn't even sound it's the same? It's, it's just I mean, it's like it'll English. Use, it'll use different parts of the vocabulary, of yeah. course. But like I say, I'm speaking a proper full language, and they're speaking a pidgin. You know, they're speaking a thing that's, well, that's based like, on the on the proper language, and it also has. A lot of incoming words from other languages. True, I can see that. A lot of influence from other areas around that time. Yeah, trade. There's, there's parts. Yeah, there's parts coming in from Spanish. There's definitely parts coming in from various African dialects that the I slaves that. spoke. Yeah, and that's and so like I'll listen to them talk and I kind of understand. Actually, it's really interesting to me versus probably just the only French speaker because from having spoken two different Creoles in Cape Verde. To me, I'm hearing how their Creole is, and it's very similar. 
So Cape Verde also has, they speak Creole, a, ver, a, a different version of French too than you're used to? No. Okay, the Cape Verde and Creole, there's two types. There's Badiou and Sapaju. Okay. One spoken in the north, one spoken in the south. They're both based on archaic Portuguese. Okay. So the same concept. Many different groups brought onto a, a geographical area in which they cannot communicate. And so what they did was they took the mother tongue of the slave masters and incorporated that into a simpler language that they could all then speak amongst one another. Gotcha. And then it became its kind of own little Creole when 90% of the vocabulary is from Portuguese that was spoken in like the 1600s. I gotcha. But... What I hear from a, there was a, at some point I encountered a PhD student from Harvard who was actually doing his thesis on various Creoles spoken around the world. And he said that the Creole that was spoke in Cape Verde is the closest to Sephardi, I think it was called. Sephardi. It was the, it was the slave language, uh, it was the language used by the slave traders all throughout the coast of Africa, all the way into the, like, East Indies, and it was basically like this trading language that was going on from the 1600s on, so that you could speak any of these coastal cities and do basic trade and commerce, and he said that his studies were showing that the Cape Verde and Creole is the closest to that that still exists, that's still spoken like on a normal basis. Was Cape Verde a stop along that trade line essentially, or is that okay. a stop on the like slave coastline? Were they like held there? Exactly. After? Okay. That's what the colony was set up for. Ah, for like it was basically the slave depot. They would grab the like population along the coast from Ghana, you know, down yeah. to Angola. When I was in Ghana, then, I saw some of those camps and where they held people that probably exactly. before moving and to Cape Verde. Process them in Cape Verde. And so basically the population is still there is those that were either deemed too good to take. Yeah. So they were like, we should just keep them here. Or those they were like, basically, they're probably not going to make the transatlantic voyage. And we'll survive we'll, it. Yeah, we'll just keep them I'm here. surprised they even cared about it back then from what it sounded like in those slave conditions. They were just like Unfortunately, human cattle. They were, but this is like rude to talk about, but if you think about it... They're still processing people like cattle and thinking, what's the best part of the herd? Yeah. Who's worthwhile to like, you know, go and try to utilize, and who's not? So fucked up. It's very crazy. Up. But as I was saying, so you got all these people from various different tribes or ethnic groups all over West Africa, down to South Africa. They can't communicate with one another. Yeah. So what they're gonna do is listen to what's being spoken around them by the slavers and develop a language based on that yeah. along with interspersed words from their own language so you're hearing things that you're like oh, that definitely sounds like probably something that's used like outside on you know, the interior of modern day Angola mm-hmm. and that must have gotten interspersed and that became like a, a definite word that's still used mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the problem because a lot of times we hear in this country, if you hear Creole, you're just... I always assume French. Because I think it's a whole style of food and cooking and culture well, in New Orleans. that's because of the influence from Louisiana yeah. and that. But that's actually, like, when you really read about that, it's supposed to be a group. Okay. Like the Creoles who are mixed descendants or the descendants of this French inhabitants in that region. And then they ah. developed to, like... But you could, you're telling me now that Creoles could be 
descended from any a linguistic term. Oh. Yeah, it's referencing a simplified language based on a quote-unquote proper mother tongue. Okay. I can see that. So, like I say, a t language that usually has uh, the grammatical structure, has different tenses, has a written form, but a Creole usually doesn't. They, yeah. like, kind of develop one for... But it's more of a spoken form. They're really not going to yeah, spoken. spoken yeah, that makes sense. And so. I imagine it's for because it sounds like a derivative of that language and mother tongue. It's going to be spoken by people that are kind of derivative, if you will, or not as like socioeconomically also derivative as well. You know, I think I'm trying to say that in the most proper way possible. But like, they're not well to do, so they're not really writing things down. They're kind of speaking and that sort of thing. They didn't go through yeah, formal schooling. Yeah, they went that, through it's just, yeah, communication. It's, that, Trade oral, oral learning language, yeah. oral basic language, and it's been just passed down for a long, long, long time. Yeah, so it has certain rules that have developed, and like, but not a lot of rules. That's also what it really comes down to. Well, since we're talking about Cape Verde and your experience there, tell me, would you do it again if you had to do it all over? And you spent two years there in the Peace Corps, and was it two or three years afterwards? Did you do next well, year? It was two years, and I stayed like even longer. I That's stayed what I almost three years. Yeah. Um, and so, looking back on that time in your life, do you feel like you made the right decision to join the Peace Corps and volunteer for a while, or do you feel like you wish you could have gone back and done something else, or maybe volunteer in a different location, locale? You got? Do you get assigned Cape Verde, or do you choose Cape Verde? How does that work? You. The only thing you can choose is you can choose a language and a continent. Okay. Okay, so in my case, I chose Africa, and then I said I had a first preference to go to Portuguese Africa, and second to go to French, because they had wanted to send me to French Africa, just because there's so many former French colonies. So it's, so it's I can't even think more. of another Portuguese colony in Africa besides... <laughs> Mozambique. Mozambique? See, I was trying, I thought I was gaming them to send me to Mozambique. Uh, Honestly, I didn't even know that like Cabo Verde existed, really. So yeah. that was my own ignorance. I really thought the only countries that were in Africa that spoke Portuguese were Angola and Mozambique. Yeah. And I knew that we didn't have a program in Angola, so I thought I was going to Mozambique. Okay. Uh, Where's Mozambique on the continent? East Africa, just northeast of South Africa. Just northeast of South Africa. Okay, so, okay. So is it down by Zim? Uh, I'm trying to think of where it is. So is it... It's across from Madagascar. So Madagascar is the island is directly across on the water. Okay, I know exactly where it's at. And so near Zambia and Zimbabwe? Zimbabwe's further south. Further south? Zimbabwe's like over to the west. It's just, just north of South Africa. You're in the kind of the right, right region. Right region. Yeah, it's all okay. southeast okay. Africa. It's South Africa region. I went to this... Uh, African art, this is like a tangential story completely, but like this uh, African art exhibit in Austin recently, and they were talking about like how Africa tends to get lumped into just like what we think of it as colonizers essentially, just like, oh, Africa just looks like this, safari or this, this is my experience with Africa, so this is what it, is, it looks like. So they wanted to express how many different parts of Africa and how the art exists in different parts. It was, it was just a very, very powerful exhibit. What's that? I said that continent is huge. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, can you imagine? Like, the, but they get lumped into one thought process. Oh, so, like, like when you picture like that's what you weird. picture like with clothing, it all looks like kente cloth to everyone, right? When you picture like um, uh, what you go and do there, you picture safari everywhere. Like, that's what the whole, yeah, whole time. Like, and that's not a one part. small region, right? But like, when you, everyone has an idea of what Africa looks like, and unfortunately, it's what like movies have shown us, or like what um, our limited cultural experience on our one trip that we took over there. 
Um, I it's like, been there. I have been there. It was great. This is the other funny thing that happens to me in hospitals all the time. I'm like, oh, like ask me where my name's from all the time. I'm saying, hey, my name's Kwaku. They're like, oh, where's that from? I say, it's Ghana, West Coast of Africa. And they're like, oh, yeah, I went to South Africa once. And they're like, <laughs> like oh, yeah, I went to Safari one time. I'm like, well, you got to realize this is nowhere near each other. It's like, it's like, oh, I'm from Texas. Oh, yeah, I've been to California one time. That's what you're basically telling me, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, oh, great, cool. <laughs> but anyway, so... Going back to your story, you thought you were going to Mozambique, you're trying to go there, you get end up at Cape Verde. Do you feel like that was a cool experience then? I mean, two years you spent there, and you stayed next year, one, so, so. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it gives awesome. me a much deeper... So, if you went back to... What empathetic you... understanding of what people experience in a lot of different, smaller, poor communities of course and so it's like what you just kind of talked about i had a certain understanding a preconceived notion of what i was going to see yeah and that was not what i had all experienced so yeah, yeah it's definitely like their tagline the toughest job you ever like love okay it was like it was horrible some days yeah i was like this is awful i don't want to be here anymore but other days I was like yeah this is great how old were you when you did that? I was a little bit older. This is, okay, 2004. I'm like 25, 24. Okay. That's not that old, though. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I already had an extra year of college. Yeah. Because I had that one gap year. Then I have an extra year because I'm like a summer baby. So I'm, I'm like two years older than... The most people do most other people but still like 20, out of college i'm thinking so. back like 25 now for me like i was in grad school at the time but i still feel like that was eight years ago i feel like a baby right now i mean that's like that's young to be doing something like that well, i mean is, that's what i'm saying but i had like colleagues who were 21 yeah. 22 or even younger than i at yeah. least i'd seen some of the world yeah that's true but no and that's what i said is so great about it they basically give you a job which you're really not, I would say, qualified or ready to do and let you run with it. I think my favorite ones on the flight so far have been that IPA, the double IPA, this guy, the Belgian. I like Belgian beers in general. That's why I was surprised when he told us that Belgian pale is not good. The dry hop Belgian pale in the Valerie below Vincent. I'm going to go in there and probably love it. I'm going to like ask this guy what his taste is. This is good. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. And then the... We had the clear, the tide is high, which is the pale ale, and the clear skies next to it. I don't know. I'm gonna try the clear, the clear skies, the IPA. The double's better for sure. I think if anything, yeah, the double IPA kills the the, the IPA categories of art, and then this this Vincent, oh, the, the Belgian pale. No, but to further answer your question, okay. no, I couldn't go do it now because people in some ways would view that I would say more at this time in my life if all of a sudden I just left for two years I don't think that would be viewed as like moving forward they would almost act like it was some sort of break and it's not a break in any way but I think it's more forgiving or something that makes sense right out of college for you to go do versus 
as a what I should be as a mid-career professional. I shouldn't be doing it now. That's why the majority of people that you saw are younger. Are people. either younger or they've already done their career and they're like now retired yeah. Yeah. and doing this. Well, I think it's like those two big back. extremes, though. And I yeah. think what those programs could use the most of are those people like in our age right now that we're comfortable in our career and have a good plan and we know what we want to do and we can help people achieve that overseas as well and I don't know they'd be better I feel I like they'd be agree, better guidance than 21 I, year olds like I, agree, I was a shithead in 22 or 23 what am I what do I know like I feel like a lot of people that do these Peace Corps things are people that are very altruistic but they just don't know enough about the world yet so how are they imposing their world views on people or helping out? Maybe, I, I think, think they're I learning think as much as we are you, no are you are no, and that's, that's yeah. what I always said I always said that to the people whom I was like teaching and such I said you, I'm learning as much from you as if, if not more exactly so no it's super beneficial in that regard that's why I was saying no I would do it again in a heartbeat I just don't think I would do it necessarily at this age I get you and that's I get really you. just because I think it would look weird on a resume like wait you all of a sudden just dropped out of the world to go do that and you could, you know, tell someone in an interview why you did it and it would make sense. But also the thing you lose, you kind of disconnect. That's the bigger because, part. Yeah. And, and it you might be different social now. Well, no, no, no. It, the, 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 no, it's not that. It's more how Western society keeps moving. Yeah. You're not connected to that. It might be different now. See, when I was over there, yeah, there was li- there was a little bit of limited internet access, and you could once in a while like talk to somebody on a phone. Yeah, you know, it's not so th- like how quote unquote connected people are and such. You lose all that. So in essence, you when you come back. You're still seeing the world how it was two, three years before. I think the speed of how everything has moved, that would be really detrimental now. And or if you're so used to using that on a daily basis to like help you in your own life. Yeah. It would be so difficult to like be living a much different life over there. I think it's good. I I, yeah. I, I always recommend from listening people that are so quote unquote connected that it's good to like step back and disconnect yeah. but as I said when you're disconnecting for years you kind of like quote unquote, you fall behind oh I can like, imagine I came back the learning curve has got to be crazy well, it's that what was the like, biggest thing you like, noticed when you came back though like I mean 2004 Facebook. 2006 yeah Facebook. I guess Facebook popped in and I know that it. came out the whole time and I just didn't understand I've never understood it since <laughs> you still understand it no, I just don't get. I, I get the concept yeah. to a small degree, but I felt like it just took over everybody's lives. Yeah, it really did. And, and it's only gotten worse. But how, that, how, how are you still not connected to Facebook? I feel like everyone. I refused. I thought yeah. it was just. I was kind of like disgusted by it, how I saw people that that's all they cared about, and yeah. it was like, well, don't you remember like when I left, this didn't exist. Yeah, we were living a different way. That's so wild. How can that just allow you to take over your life? And, and so you didn't. Well, did you were you ever curious about how it adapted? It was like I mean, it made it for when I was in college. It started as the college Facebook, because so you could only connect within your college at first. Okay, then it started well, expanding. Older than you, I was already out of college. Even when no, it but came it, out. no, but it's still insane. It's like in two thousand four, that same time where you were gone when it, it happened. That was around that time when it came out, right? So I'm just saying, like, it was the experience. Like, I heard other people having it. I wanted it because other people had, and I couldn't have it. So when you came back and you knew that other people had it, you didn't have the desire to want it as well, just to be connected to everyone, or. Just no, like, no, because that's what I felt I had really found overseas was a real 
way to connect with people is to actually have so that's even more conversations and such. And I felt that this virtual connection wasn't any kind of connection. No, I, I thought it was cool. That. I thought it was cooler people were able to like share their experiences and such, but it also wasn't coming across to me as genuine. Oh, it I was like, like that. people were only sharing like their okay. What I was saying, their actually, highlight reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I've since, though, talked to people that say they've utilized it to talk about things that are not good in their lives and to find, I wouldn't say comfort, but... Like a community uh, to talk yeah, to about it? Yeah, community that otherwise they wouldn't have. No, I agree with that. And so I guess that's positive. But I don't... I wouldn't say that that's the majority. But again, I'm from the outside looking in. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'd agree but with to that. Me, though, it just appeared that people were just like... That's all they cared about. And it, it wasn't psychologically positive because then everyone's just trying to one-up each other like oh you went on that vacation showed yeah. me these pictures so I'm gonna go on this and, show. and I was just like well what about the other six days of that week what like how were you doing and oh totally or, so like people's or, experiences on their vacation that they only show you the big nice pictures that like at the top of the hill but they don't really show you how they hiked all the way up this place and it probably sucked for them. They were mad about it the whole time or they were bitching or that sort of thing. But they show you their highlight reels with all the great times they have with whoever they're with or whatever it was. No, I totally and get that's that. All, that's the vacation. I'm just saying all I saw a lot of people also doing was just like taking photos of their food. And I was like, <laughs> all right, yeah. You, I'm guilty of that too. I never post those. I'm not going to lie. I just like to share this. You consume that. Like, yeah. Ooh, all right. Yeah. I don't know. Like I say, it just seems very weird Todd has brought up one of my favorite points to date while recording these episodes. Does Facebook and social media really bring us closer together or actually disconnect us more? When Todd was abroad pre-social media, he created new connections with people in a way that has existed for thousands of years, having conversations. When we use social media to post updates, we allow people to catch up on the headline news version of our lives at a superficial level without actually reporting on the state of our being. True connection is thus lost. I heeded Todd's advice and disconnected from social media for the month of January. And though there was a desire to be a part of the community, it really wasn't as naggy as I thought it may have been. Honestly, mentally, it was a necessary break from the longing to know at all times what other people are up to. Rarely are the posts on Facebook something uplifting. Rather, they're fancy places that people have traveled to, or things that people buy themselves, dinners that they treat themselves to, and even more so, families they are starting, or children they are expecting. This really in the long run only makes me feel bad about myself. We all have different journeys in our lives, and we shouldn't let the images of other people's journeys which appear while scrolling down a screen or swiping left and right dictate how we shape ours. Todd is lucky to have never felt the need for Facebook. But that's the real question. Do we need Facebook? What would our lives look like if we all disconnected and found new ways to reconnect and reshape the social relationships that we have into smaller, more meaningful networks? It is weird. But, uh, but I said, but I, said so I also hard. came back very weird because I came back very different like I had gotten into the well okay I no longer had TV for a couple years I no longer had any like internet connection I read books yeah. again like but for pleasure not for school yeah so like there was like a small little library in my little house and when other volunteers would come they would come with like another book and we would trade 
and then the book would pass on to somewhere it else. It sounds like the equivalent of being locked up, I'm not going to lie. Like, when you're just in prison, you start, like, educating your mind longer, more, you're in a okay. little confined area. I guess. But, but, but like, but, if you don't have internet access, it's like, but, I mean, to a certain degree, that means you better yourself in that situation, too. You're supposed to be rehabilitated, right, while you're in jail, but in a certain degree, Peace Corps, I mean, obviously, you're doing you're a lot connect, more for the world. Yeah, but you're connecting all, as I said, also with your, like, community, because you don't have those other passive outlets to do things mm -hmm. so people there they go and just talk or hang out or play music together yeah. or party do whatever people have done for millennia now it's all you got to think all this other stuff we never had yeah and i get we've but I, i've actually talked about this in, but i'm kind of saying like i didn't have Facebook before I left, so to me, I didn't need it when yeah, I got yeah. back. It wasn't anything I had missed. I was missing out on because I hadn't had it. Totally. And don't get me wrong, I've gotten back into like watching TV or other stuff, but it's like I didn't have it. I just changed my life and I adapted more to how, like I say, the that's majority of the I mean, like, It is good to disconnect, right? But that's also how the majority of the planets live, and that's my point. Oh, yeah, it's true. So that's what I'm saying is, the, is really the game. First world because, comforts. You know? Yeah, that's not what everybody's really dealing with on the day-to-day. -day. Most people are spending most of their day working really hard and then communing as human beings. Yeah. And that's, to me, what I didn't see in Facebook. I saw Zuckerberg claiming, I'm using it so you connect, but I didn't see people really connecting. I thought real connection was what I had experienced and I that like we that. had lost. Yeah. So, to me, I was like, eh, not interested. No, totally. So we do have an empty flight now. Do you want to run it back, another six? Cut this off and just go inside and hang out. So, if you're new to my podcast and are thrown off by the format, I apologize. Unlike most scripted studio shows, Flights with Friends is recorded live at a brewery. So you get to hear all the wonderful, unscripted background noises and commotions that really breathe life into each episode. This is the true authenticity of the show, which really can't be duplicated again on a different day or even in a studio. So hopefully you enjoy the authentic nature of this podcast and are intrigued to keep tuning in. Thank you again for joining me on this episode. And you know, if you like it, tell your friends about it. I really would like to make this podcast a success. So... Keep tuning in, vibe with me over on Instagram, and uh, comment if you want. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers.